Morning. So, <clears throat> you're welcome. So, uh, yesterday I go to the Backpack Jam, and as I'm there, I walk up and I go to our Trinity booth, and right there is Mike to greet me, and he goes, Todd, you gotta have a unicorn hat. That's just for you. And I said, sure. So he came out and he kind of, you know, suited it to me, made sure it was the right size, went back and built it. And I've had this on my head the rest of the time, maybe to the chagrin of my daughter, Aaliyah, who was hanging out with me. But I, and I bumped a few people and hit a tree or two. But uh, I just want you to know what a great event that was. And, and I wanted to, to not only sport my unicorn hat, but I wanted to tell you even as we talk today, as we're talking about this whole focus of where you fit at Trinity, yesterday's event related to our Trinity family who was there serving was just a beautiful snapshot of what we're talking about. Because like Steve said, not only were there people like Mike making these wonderful balloon creations, right across the way in this beautiful shaded area under a tree were people praying and available to talk with people about spiritual things, there were people that were with our Micah House team that were organizing, keeping lines moving, handing out backpacks. There were people from Trinity picking up trash all throughout Sylvan Park. Every one of these roles absolutely critical to what was needed yesterday and just made an incredible day. The, the community of Redlands was blessed because of your, like Steve said earlier, your generosity in providing so many things, but then also this group's just availability to be the hands and feet of Christ. And that, that today is where we're going as we're talking about finding a place to serve, finding a place that is consistent with the way God has designed you, even if you're a unicorn, okay? I'm gonna take that off. I know you can't pay good attention to me or take me seriously, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll move forward. In your Trinity this week, you have some notes that look like this if you wanna get those out, have that ready to go. If you have a Bible today, we're gonna be in Romans chapter 12, Romans 12. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament. And if you find your way to chapter 12, we'll uh, be set to go in just a second. As you're making your way there, I want to give you an update about next weekend. We as well will still be in this focus all month long in August of where you fit. The first couple of weeks focused on serving, finding a role that fits the way God's built you. And the last two weeks more of a focus on, us, on small groups and getting plugged in. But within that, next week we're gonna add an extra layer and we're so excited about this. Next week, we are celebrating Light and Power's 25th anniversary. And we just are so excited for that. So good. So here's what we're gonna do on top of some other great celebration things that's going on. I wanted to get you ahead of this one idea so you could kind of wrap your head around it and be ready for it. When you walk into campus uh, next Sunday at all the different points of entry, we're gonna have folks there with very bright yellow, very cool looking t-shirts. And, and here's what the t-shirts are for. They're for you if you are someone who has a disability. By the way, Light and Power is our adults with disabilities community in case you didn't know what that, that nomenclature is. And uh, so as you walk into campus, the t-shirt will be for you if you have a disability or if you are relationally connected to someone who does. I'll be wearing one. I have a nephew with some pretty significant disabilities, and I'll be wearing that to represent him. Now, in that, that might be, oh, that's great. But here's what I know. I know for some of us, when we come on campus next week, we're like, but Todd, I just got done doing my hair. You know, I don't want to put that t-shirt on. And I'm telling you now so you can get a whole week ahead of it. Maybe it's like, I don't even do my hair that day. Let's throw a shirt on. It's okay. But I want you to be ahead of it because just to receive a shirt won't be the point. Once we get into here and in our service, you will see that these shirts are actually being an incredibly important part of the service 
if you're wearing one and if, if you fit that role. So I'm just gonna encourage you now, a week ahead of time, be thinking about that. And if that, if that suits you, if that's who you are, someone with disabilities or, someone, or you're relationally connected to someone who is, then I'd ask you to take one of those, put those on, come into this service, and you are gonna be impressed how visual that will serve as a proponent of just being able to see, wow, disabilities are a lot more wider ranging than I thought they were. And we're excited to get to do that next week. We'll give you some more info and really grateful for all the things that group of people are even doing to get ready. Well, what we've done is this. In this month of August, we have recognized that the Bible gives two very clear mandates for people who are Jesus's, people who are his followers. And it's not to say it's the only two, but they're very important, and we see them all throughout the New Testament. It relates to finding a role related to the way you've been gifted, and that's what we're going to talk about today, as well as finding a group to belong to. I, I will say this that sometimes people come to a church the size of Trinities and, and they will say, you know what, it's really hard to, to find a way to connect. It's really hard to, to make friends. It's a big service. There's three services. I don't maybe always come to the same one. And I would totally agree with that. I would even go so far as to say this particular gathering, where we're at right now, is not intended primarily for you to make a relational connection. That might seem even abrasive. It's not meant to. It's just reality. We're here for a different reason, and aside from you in your 30 seconds of saying hello to people around you, that, that's about all that you're going to get. Now, I know you bump into friends, and I know you have people you talk with, but really the way that we would expect that you would have a community, you'd have a group of people you're doing life with, that's kind of the definition I use for small groups, that doesn't happen in here but it happens in other spaces, like living rooms or in classes on campus throughout the week and all those things. So I really wanna encourage you, if you're going to be relationally connected at Trinity Church, it's gonna happen through a small group. And that'll be going on the last two weeks of this month. We're excited for that emphasis as well. So we're, we're gonna give ourselves this month of August to this idea of helping. For some of you, you're very involved already in both of those things. And so what I'm gonna do throughout the course of this month is affirm. Affirm the way that you're involved in serving in a small group. Please don't walk out of here to go going today. Todd, I'm really involved in ministry X, but I guess you want me to do three more. I don't. I want you to be really great at what you do and really serve there because we have so many other people who have yet to make that step to get involved in serving, and this is gonna be a great series, these first two weeks especially for them. Now, as we do that, what I want to do today, we're going to look at Romans 12, the first few verses, and what we're going to see is this. God's going to say, offer your whole self to me. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, but that actually just provides the foundation for where he's going to go, and that is, is that in that, that is an act of worship. When you do that, the outflow of that, one of them anyways, is the idea of how you serve other people within the family of God, other people within the body of Christ. And what we're going to see today, look at this in your now what idea, it's in your notes and on the screen. Serving people horizontally is a way to worship God vertically. Serving people horizontally, I know we used those same terms last week in a different context, that you have a horizontal application and a vertical one, but when we serve people on this plane, we're going to find today that's actually an act of worship vertically to God. So let's dive in. Number one in your notes today, worship was always intended to be an offering of all of you, not just songs that you sing. Worship was always intended to be an offering of all of you, not just songs you sing. One of the things that we want to begin with today is a right view of worship, a right understanding. And I will admit, even at Trinity Church, we sometimes are not helping that when we say things like, Bill Bourne is our worship pastor. 
And when you see Bill and his teams on the stage, that is easy to connect the dot. Worship means singing songs. And we would say, even though we're maybe giving that impression, we don't mean to, because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, as we'll see today, that worship is the expression of all of ourselves given over to God. It might include what we do with our mouths when we sing, but it's really the essence of the way that we live. Look at how it says it in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, this is Paul the Apostle writing this, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. The offering of ourselves is worship to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, we can, and maybe even in the near future we will, we could do a whole series just on Romans 12, 1 and 2. There is so much going on. Today, I don't have time to get into it the way I want to, but I want you to see how integral the idea that's beginning in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is to where we're going today related to serving. It, it lays the foundation for where we're going, and if you understand the one, you can understand the other, but without this understanding, serving might seem like an add-on. Even the word, I struggle with it all the time. I struggle when we ask for people at Trinity Church to be, quote, volunteers. Because volunteers in our American culture often has the idea of above and beyond. Yesterday, there were people who attended the backpack jam, but there were volunteers who went above and beyond and served. And we love that. We totally agree with that. But when it relates to ministry within a local church... God is very clear, and we'll see this not just through Romans 12 today, but we'll see it over the expanse of Scripture. God has built you to serve. He has built you, he's designed you with a way that you can make a contribution in a way he intends that you make a contribution. And we're gonna see how that plays out. So we see that here we are now in Romans 12. Romans 12, Romans is this amazing book. There's nothing like it in Scripture. Paul begins with making just this consistent case for this idea, laying out how great God is and how much we need him. And by the time he gets to chapter 12, he's laid out amazing theology. Chapter 12 is like a hinge. It's a hinge in this book where it's saying, in light of all that I've been sharing, based on, we could sum it up with the words, the mercy of God, in light of all of that, do this. And 12 through 16 is going to be the outplay. What the application of the first 11 chapters of so much theology, what does it actually look like now when it lands in my life? And so that's kind of the essence of where this chapter is going. And what we see is, we see Paul, Paul, interestingly, he doesn't tell his readers, start worshiping. They already are. The interesting thing is, Paul says, all of humanity is worshiping. Worship is not something reserved for people of God. All of humanity is built with this idea of looking to something else or someone else and finding their confidence and their hope. So Paul's not saying that worship is a new idea. What he's saying is direct your worship to the right place. Most of humanity is lost in that they are worshiping whom or what is opposed to or different than the one true God. So he says, instead of that, focus your worship on him. And he directs them to focus their worship not by bringing the offering of animals, but the offering of their very lives, their very bodies, living sacrifices, and that's what God is truly after. Now, this wouldn't be a new idea. Like all throughout the Old Testament, there are places where God says, I know I've built within your, your, the revelation I've given you in the law a sacrificial system. However, what I'm really after is you. 
I'm really after the totality of who you are. Look at the screen from Micah 6. This is just one passage, verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? So this is the prophet giving this idea of what is, what is acceptable worship to God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with a calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with, a, with thousands of rams and with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? So he's being incredibly extreme, right? And these things, all those things listed in verses one and two were ways that the people of God, Israel, were to bring offerings, were to bring sacrifices to God. So everything he said so far were legitimate ways that God said, worship me like this. And even to the extreme of thousands of rams and rivers of olive oil. But then he even gets to a point where he's being so extreme, nothing that God ever intended his people to do, but even the neighboring nations did. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's even connecting the dots to the local people, they had gone so far off the deep end, worshiping their gods, they were even involved in child sacrifices. Nothing God ever asked. He actually had judgment for nations who did such things, but the, the um, prophet is being so extreme to say, what on earth can I bring to God to appease him? And look how he finishes. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. He's already laid it out. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Verse eight is what God-honoring worship looks like. It's the stuff of my life lived according to his design. And if you're going to be someone who effectively offers your body to God, what Paul's saying in Romans 12, one and two, is that it begins with your mind. In offering your body, it actually begins with having a transformed understanding so that you can actually know what is God's perfect, pleasing will. I, in order to offer myself, I've been to a lot of different events, camps, conferences, things like that, and there's been an emotional appeal, and it's often it's been offer all of who you are to God, and it might even be from this passage in Romans 12. And in doing so, that's so awesome, and we just kind of get under sway of that, and we kind of emotionally respond with, yes. But Paul's really clear. The way that you would offer your whole self to God begins with how you think. It begins even more so with a mind that God transforms. Look in your notes. A life offered to God begins with a mind transformed by God. A life offered to God begins with a mind transformed by God. That's where it begins. And how do we have a transformed mind? How does God, does he just kind of magically, mysteriously do that? He's revealed himself in his word. As we read the Bible, as we engage in, in conversation with other believers, talking about this trueness of who God is, we gain this understanding of that's what a transformed mind looks like. That's what a God grid over the way that I make decisions and what I value looks like. And so we want to apply that to the way we live. So once you put yourself in a position of willing availability of living a life of worship, now see how Paul practically begins to apply this posture. Number two in your notes, God-given faith allows you to think rightly of yourself. That's fascinating. I don't think we would have thought that would have come next. God-given faith allows you to think rightly of yourself. Here's what I mean, verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. 
This is the beginning. What begins to happen when we would say, God, I want to offer all of me to you, and that happens initially through a transformed mind, a new grid of how I see the world, how I make decisions. One of the first things I come in contact with is who is God and who am I? That's actually, I think, a way that you could sum up what Romans has been about, chapters 1 through 11, really two tracks, who is God and who are you? When it talks about, when Paul's writing about God, he's talking about a God who's absolutely perfect, absolutely holy, absolutely righteous and, and just in what he does. But that same God went ahead of the problem, recognized in our sin there was no sacrifice, there was never gonna be enough animal sacrifices to please, to cover, to take away our sin. So God went ahead of us, sent his son as the perfect sacrifice to die in our place. The song we sang today, I always love those lines. God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. This is what happens in, the, in the, all the truth of who God's character is. God remains fully just, but also fully merciful. And he does this thing on our behalf. That's what Paul's painting a picture. But then secondly, Paul paints a picture of us. He says, by nature and by behavior, we are a people who live apart from God. We have been doing life on our own. The Bible calls it sin. And as a result, our only option, the place where we are brought to in reality is to say, God, I recognize I need the Savior you provided. I'm responding to that in faith that what Jesus did was good enough for me. That's the essence of Romans 1 through 11, overly simplified, but nonetheless. So he's written this idea, and so what that brings us to then is the point of then, then understanding who God is, how do I understand myself? And here's the interesting thing. I come away with a right understanding of myself. The church I served at for 14 years, a senior pastor would talk often about the idea of what humility is. And often we, we have this idea that humility is kind of looking on the ground, you know, being very meek and mild, don't get any attention drawn to yourself. And, and almost just that person, you're like, oh, they're so humble. And really what you're saying in some ways is they're so quiet, they're so behind the scenes, they're so, and, and I, I honestly don't think that's what the Bible portrays true humility to be. Look at the definition in our notes today. Humility is really more of this. It is an accurate, thinking accurately about yourself. That's what humility is, is thinking accurately about yourself. And what begins to happen is, on our spectrum, what, what our problem is, is that often we do have problems thinking too highly of ourselves. This verse talked about it, but I think equally problematic is we think too little. We think too little of the thing that God has done to bring forgiveness and transformation and how it is we can contribute. And so the problem is, is that either of those sides of the spectrum are problematic. Either of them are inaccurate to who God designed you to be. Instead, we want to live in that place in the middle. And that place in the middle simply says this, by nature, by behavior, I'm a sinner. But because of what Jesus did for me at the cross and the fact that I have put my faith in that sacrifice made for me, I'm now a child of God, a child of God who's been uniquely equipped, uniquely designed to serve the family of God, and that's what I'm going to do. That is a humble person, someone who accurately understands who they are, where their gifts come from. The last part of verse three is hard to understand. I did multiple kind of commentary and research, and a lot of commentaries come up with different ideas, but the one that I wanted to show you today I thought really helped me make sense, this is that phrase, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to you. How does that relate to the concept of sober judgment? What is, what is this, the accordance of faith? How does that play out? 
And this is what the, the commentators wrote that I thought was so accurate. He says this. It's in your notes and on the screen. Without faith, none of the gifts can be exercised, meaning we don't, we don't receive anything related to a God-given unique design apart from faith. And faith is also the standard whereby they are estimated, whereby they're evaluated. If we take this with full seriousness, seeing God as the sole author of the gifts and ourselves as totally dependent on him for all of them or for them all, it is unlikely that we will be, be arrogant. When we sit in that right place of balance, we'll go, God, thank you for what you've built, but I realize it's all from you. This comes from you. Humility proceeds from genuine faith. There's another thought here. When we see that God is the giver of all the gifts and that faith is the measure, we will not deny our own gifts either. Being sober-minded means recognizing what God has given us and being zealous in its use as well as humble. Colin Cruz from the Pillar Commentary series. So it's this great way of balancing this idea that God is the giver of gifts. By faith, I've received them, and by faith, I exercise them. By faith, they're evaluated as what they are and how they contribute. So here's how this goes. Transform minds, understand who they are, and what they've received are from the hand of a gracious God. It just makes sense. There's no room for anything but humility in that equation. Finally today, where we're building up to number three, God-given gifts determine how Jesus' body functions. We're laying the groundwork, verses one through three, for where we're going today related to the serving idea Built this foundation, offer all of yourselves, do it through a transformed mind, and the first thing to think rightly about, think accurately about, is who you are. What God has blessed you with, now put those gifts into use. Verse four, for just as each, is a, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Here in Romans 12 and also in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses the motif of the, a human body. He's using this example. You yourself, you are one person but so many moving parts that make this thing function. Paul says that's a great picture, it's a great idea of what the body of Christ is like. A lot of different gifts, but all comprised with one unified goal. Now think about this, think about you today. There's a good chance that when you walked out the door that you checked your hair, kind of made sure that looked good and you're all looking good. But I just wonder as you walked out the door today, how much attention did you pay to your liver? looking good, functioning, you know. You didn't think twice about it. Just kind of going about your day. And it's interesting that in the scale of what really matters most about your body, this matters very little compared to this. They all matter, but man, this is a big deal. But because it's unseen, we don't think much about it. Today you were thinking about what shoes to put on your feet. You want your feet to be comfortable, maybe a little stylish. So you're putting some energy and effort into what you chose, but how much did you think about the fact that there is air flowing through these lungs? And what happens there is absolutely critical to you being able to take the next breath. 
It's interesting, within the body of Christ, Paul's making this, this idea here, but really even more so in 1 Corinthians 12. It's, it's the parts of the body we don't even see that have so much value, so much uh, contribution that keep the rest of the thing functioning. I think of that even related to this body. I think of different types of teams that go unnoticed. I think about our production team that's in here right now. Isn't it interesting that when your body, when your liver or your lungs aren't working, that's the time you notice them, right? Otherwise, everything's great. Livers were good, lungs were good. All of a sudden, you get pneumonia, you get some kind of liver disease, you're like, oh, it's not working, what's the problem, you know? Because you enjoyed decades of them working well before now, all of a sudden, you got a deal. And it's interesting that they were doing their job this whole time, and now the time you pay attention and even the time you get frustrated is when they're not. Isn't it interesting, our productions team, everything that's gone under in the service with lights and video and slides and sound, you haven't paid attention to once until they get it wrong. Oh, move that slide, that's the old words. Oh, lights are too dim, bring them up. You know, whatever, that's when you pay attention. So just today, when things are going great, can we just thank them? Because we never do. Now, there are many more teams at Trinity Church just like that. Contribute, make so many important investments into what happens at this church, but go unseen, and as a result, they can be easily forgotten. God's word would remind us all of these parts are so important. All of them function, all of them have a role, and it's significant that they're all contributing the way they are. What's interesting to me is that four places in the New Testament, there are a list, basically, of different spiritual gifts. The word grace and the word gift in the New Testament is one and the same. It's the word charis, charisma. It's that idea of a gift and grace. So even when we read this in the text, you could even say spiritual graces, spiritual gifts. And the reason we call them spiritual is because they come from the Holy Spirit. So spiritual graces, spiritual gifts. And these lists, 1 Corinthians 12 here in Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, all those lists are always different. It's actually, there's nuances and they're never the same. And, and what that would really cause us to come to this conclusion is that there's not necessarily one cut and dry set of gifts, but Paul, when he writes to the Romans, he says, hey, I know you, I know of you anyways, I know the types of gifts that are probably exist in your local body and those gifts use them. That's basically what he comes to this point of, put them into use. The gifts that he lists here are a great variety. The first of prophesying. And that word can be really confusing. What does that word mean? Looking back in the original Greek word, it's the gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. That's a really cool and powerful definition. The gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. Other gifts that are so different from that, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, Mercy, and even that gift mercy, what does that mean? It means to bring help to the needy. You have an eye for people with needs and you go address those where the rest of us could go right over our heads. We don't even know it's a problem, don't know there's a need. You see it and you wanna do something about it. Like the human body, there's such great diversity. Take a look at that sheet within your Trinity this week. I wanna point out a couple things to you on this. This to me is so cool. We weren't gonna originally do this, but we were talking at our pastor's meeting on Tuesday, and we thought there'd be great power in just printing an overview of what's available out on the plaza today. And by the way, by the time you get out there, it's gonna be like 75, so it's gonna be great. You can, 
all day long, just hang out, talk to people. It's gonna be really good. But I wanted you to see this, and what you'll see when you go out there is you'll see Easy Ups that have these same titles, hospitality, outreach, design, etc. But I wanted you to see all the job titles underneath that, all the different types of roles of ways that you can serve, and there's such a great variety there. I wanted you to, first of all, be overwhelmed with how many opportunities are like, wow, it'd be hard to think I couldn't find something that is a good fit to the way that God has built me. The second thing is this, I'd want you to see that if you have a particular gift, there might be multiple applications of that gift. A great example, my friend Mindy and I were talking this week, Mindy Mindy is one of our administrative assistants, and she said, you know, how it relates to me is, I have a gift, I enjoy doing administrative things, but I I didn't really think I'd have any way that I could help with children's ministries. I I maybe don't teach, or I'm not involved in like leading worship, or I don't know what I could do there, but when they said they had a need for people to help with check-in, that's an administrative gift. I could do that, and so Mindy faithfully Most weekends is there helping doing check-in. Your kids today, if it wasn't today, it was last week, Mindy was helping check them in. And that's a great example of there could be multiple ways that plays out. It doesn't have to be in one niche with one demographic, but it could have multiple ways that it could um, affect and be helpful. And then thirdly, what I wanted you to see is that some of these gifts have really a cool set of skill sets to them. I think of like some of the things related to design or like some of the tech gifts related to our productions teams. If you're good at stuff like that, can I tell you, most of us are not. I would love for you to invest your gifts in those areas because the rest of us are gonna fumble around and put stuff together that doesn't look that great. You are gifted. Take advantage of that, step into that. And some of you who walked in today, you thought, well, I I have a basic understanding of my skill set. I didn't even know you needed people like that. We do. We'd love for you to take the next step in that, and that's why we put that list together so you can see it just very vividly. Now, here's the interesting thing. All of this should work, right? I mean, when we understand what gifts are, we understand they're all from God. Out of faith, we're gonna both receive them and then exercise them. It should all work, but you know, there's always a problem. And and Paul, especially in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about this idea of what we call gift envy. And what undoubtedly always happens is the idea that there are feet who wanna be eyes. There are elbows who wanna be ears. And it's this envy of going, you know what? God, I know, I, I kinda, I, I've done some assessments. We, we have at church a design class. That word is an acrostic to help you understand how God has built you. But when I come to the end of that, either I don't think it really is that big of a deal, I can't make a big contribution, or I'm looking over here at this guy or this lady and they're really gifted in X. I wanna do that, I wanna be gifted that way. And I just want to come back to you and say this again today. And and to say that this is odd, that maybe a couple of you in the room struggle with it, I struggle with this. I think this is much more widespread than we would understand. But what I want to keep bringing you back to, what we've seen it today, look in your notes, this is important. It's not about what you think you should be gifted to do, but how God has gifted you to contribute towards his purposes in a local church like Trinity. It's not about going, God, I wish you would have built me to do X. God, I wish you would have designed me for Y. It's saying, God, I recognize you have built me this way in order to honor you. In order to say your design is good, what you built, God, I'm gonna put it into motion. Man, that is so honoring to God rather than stewing about what you don't have. I'll never forget, it was a fundraiser we did with our youth group when I was a youth pastor in Oregon 
a gentleman had come. I'd interacted with him a few times at church. He'd always been so kind to me. But he's sitting there and goes, Todd, hey, come over here real quick. And I came over and we were chit-chatting. And just out of the blue, I don't know how the conversation went this way, but out of the blue, he says to me, he says, Todd, I'm never gonna be able to preach like you, but I'm gonna build a box that you can stand on so you can preach loudly to the world. And I was so impressed with his attitude, so impressed with his ability to say, my gift isn't that, but my gift is this, and I'll use that to contribute. I want us all, I want me, I want all of us to have the attitude of that same gentleman and say, God, I, I don't know all of what this might mean. I don't know what all that contribution could look like. I just know I want to put it out there. I know I want to be faithful to what you built me to do. Another problem that can happen, this is interesting. I didn't know about this till more recently, but it's this. If you're here today, and let's say in a room this size, let's say that there's 50 people in this room who have the gift of teaching, Gift of te We already saw a bunch of teachers stand up. I hope you have that gift. But we saw people stand up. And, um, and, and, but, but either way, you have a gift of teaching. You can take truth and make it and put it in such a way that people, it helps them grow and understand it. Here's the interesting thing. I was at a conference. They were talking about wattage. Oh, that's a whole, I mean, yeah, I get electricity, but what are you talking about? And this is what they said. They said, within our ministry, we're looking for two big ideas. We're looking for, number one, trying to help people assess what is my gift. How, how am I built to serve? But then after that, we're trying to help them figure out as well, what's your wattage? Because like your home, there are some environments in your home. Recently, I changed out a light bulb. I actually did that, by the way. I can, I'm that mechanical. I changed out a light bulb. But the light bulb, what, the problem is, is that uh, in our hallway upstairs, the lights are on a dimmer, and this one that I replaced didn't dim like the rest. And so it's actually very interesting. I really wanted a low-lit light at night just enough to be able to see, but I don't want it at full scale. But that same bright light, I want that over my bathroom mirror because I need all the help I can get there. <laughs> and I want that to shine as bright as it can. They're both light bulbs. Okay, they're both light bulbs, but they have different wattage. And the wattage needs to be appropriate for the application. So you're here today and you're saying, okay, I've, I've got the gift of teaching but I want to find the right way to engage that the degree of wattage that's going to be the right fit. And I'd say both of those things are important to know the gift as well as to understand what, what way it plays out. Lastly today, it's super clear to me throughout the New Testament that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have gifts that simply now put them into motion. Look at your notes. As a follower of Jesus, it's not a question of if, if you have gifts, but simply where. Where will you put them into use into his body? And I really wanna say, I said this last week, if you're relatively new to Trinity, if you've come in the last probably six to eight months and you're going, you know what, I love this church, I've been involved, I'm coming on Sundays, but now I'm ready to take that next step. This month, this month was built for you. Places to serve, places of small groups, this is where you really begin to get rooted at this church and really become engaged rather than someone who, we love that you're here on Sundays, but that's really where you take that next step of getting involved. So I really wanna encourage you. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna finish the service today 10 minutes early. Let's give a yay, that's really great. No, don't do that, don't do that. You wanna be here longer, that was bad. I set you up, but that was bad. But is, this is more cry. Oh, really, I have to leave early? But here's what we're gonna leave early too. Out in the plaza today, uh, 75 degrees, is uh, all these great booths. And what I want you to do, looking at this list so you can go out informed, have an idea, I would say narrow it down. Don't, don't look at seven things, look at two or three at the most. 
And what they're gonna do is they're gonna give you basically like a job description. This is what this role looks like, how you serve, how you get trained. And in addition or in return, they would just like you to fill out a card so they can follow up on you, follow up with you. And that would be the goal this week. That's a great next step. If you're here and you're like, Todd, I still don't know, then good. Look over that list, pray about it, come back next Sunday ready to do it. But this is the time, this is the season again of all, all of our stuff is getting ready to launch as we get ready for a brand new school year. The other thought is this, you have kids in our programs this morning. For those of you who do, what I'd ask you to do, could you wait until 1045? Wait till then to pick them up because otherwise we're gonna get kind of this weird log jam of different times. If you're even already serving, just hang out for a few minutes and then at 1045 head over. Let me pray and we'll let you go. Father, we love you. We're very grateful for the way you have come to give us life and life to the full. And one of those ways we get to know that is the way we get to serve you. Would we, even now, I get so excited thinking about a few months from now when people who have not yet engaged different ways of serving, when they walk away going, God, I, I, I wanna put my gifts to use. I wanna be someone who can really be um, available to you, offering my whole life. We love you. Thank you for the privilege to serve. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer this morning, we have folks down here who'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.